we're going to talk about Romans chapter 6. We're going to talk about knowing who you are and loving who you really are and who the real you actually is. Uh, you know, many times we've come and we've said that the Lord Jesus has, well, He just loves, he, he loves me just the way I am. And sometimes we struggle to believe that God loves us just the way we are. And we struggle to love ourselves just the way we are. The problem we have with, the problem that I have with that concept is that, um, you know, if I say God loves me just the way I am, what is the foundation of defining who I am and what I do? Uh, you know, many times we think, how can God love someone like me? But our complete definition of ourselves is based on what uh, sin has done in our lives and how it has brought forth a life in us that is actually completely contrary to us. And we are thinking, you know, that we can understand why God would love a person like me. And we would sit with this uh, mixed emotion uh, wherein we try to accept ourselves the way we are and try to accept that God accepts us the way we are. Uh, you know, that sounds like a bit of a contradiction, but let me explain what I'm saying. Uh, we sometimes will accept ourselves the way we are, like, for instance, I am, let's say you say that you are a person that loses your temper, that th thinks negative about people, and you gossip. Uh, you might have an alcohol problem, you might have a smoking problem, and whatever other problem you might have. And with that, you see, you say, well, you know, I accept myself the way I am, I cannot change, and you've made peace with the fact that you can never change. And then you struggle to believe that God can love you just the way you are. But you've already accepted uh, who you are and you've lived with yourself for a very long time. Uh, and then on the other hand, we find a group of people that say, well, I cannot accept myself the way I am, but I don't know why, but God accepts me the way I am. And the way I am is, uh, and we can use those same examples that I've just used. Uh, in that, we find a bit of a conflict and we don't find a harmony uh, with, uh, with God because on the one side, either God cannot accept me the way I am for how can God accept a person that lives in this sin and how can that be acceptable to Him? Uh, and secondly, we think that God just doesn't look at it and He, he overlooks it and say, well, I just love you just the way you are and, and, and that is it. Now, uh, the truth is that God loves us just as we are and He loves us so much that He wants us with Him eternally. That is the truth. But we need to go and look deeper into this and in what this is because we don't want to live in a place where we are not seeing the power of the gospel. We want to see the power of the gospel manifest in our lives. And I have said this uh, last Sunday and I'm going to say this again and I'm going to say this in a lot of the meetings to come. Uh, and this is, what, this is the point. If we define lost uh, wrongly, we will define salvation wrongly. And if we define lost as we have sinned and God uh, separated Him from us because of our sin and he then judged sin and poured his anger out on Jesus on account of our sin, 
then we will say that God is not angry anymore and that we are saved from the anger of God that he had towards sin. And now, should we commit a sin, it doesn't matter. He doesn't see our sin. He just loves us the way we are. And, uh, and that is how we would expect him to love us. And what, what the foundation of that is, is that God cannot love a sinner or God cannot love somebody that has got sin in his life and that is bound and captive under sin. That is the, the, the um, presumption we reason from should we say that God wants to um, or that God is not angry with us anymore and now he has forgiven us by pouring out his anger on Jesus and since he's poured out his anger on Jesus then he cannot see sin anymore and he just loves me because Jesus took away my sin and now he, he basically is blind to my sin and he loves me just the way I am but you're still stuck in your problems you know you're not ha having freedom and you're struggling with having the life that God has actually intended for you. Uh, you know, on the other side, you know, that is a message that cannot produce the power that will set you free. For the Bible says that the gospel is the power of God unto the manifestation of the very righteousness of God. It is the power unto salvation where the life is given you in Christ is preserved and saved forever. That is what he has come to give us. He has come to give us a life that is absolutely free of bondage and absolutely free of torture and um, turmoil and all those kind of things. Now we need to understand that we, when we measure the quality of God's life, we cannot measure it in the things of this world. We find Paul being in a lot of turmoil, in a lot of poverty, yet he was very happy. So we're defining these things from a different foundation as just worldly things. Now I don't want to uh, make this complicated. Let me just recap on what I'm trying to say here and then we're going to go forward. If we, There are two kinds of people mainly that I find in the, in, in the Grace Church. One, that accept their problems and say, I will live with this forever in my life and God has accepted me. Um, and I accept myself just the way I am. I don't know why God accepts me this way, but He has accepted me this way, and this is how I'm going to live, and, and that's basically how it is. And there's a kind of a thing of, I don't know why God would love me that much, but I know He does. The other guy comes and he says, well, um, you know, God accepts me the way I am, but I'm struggling to accept what I see in my life. Uh, and, you know, I, uh, I cannot believe that God loves me uh, this way, or... I, this, I can believe that God loves me this way, but I cannot love myself this way. Now, the definition, and this is what, we, what I'm saying is, we need to define who we are and what God loves. When we say, God loves me just the way I am, then the question is, what is the I am? How are you? Who are you? What are you? And what, what has happened in this life is we grew up in a broken world with limited understanding of who we are, not believing who we are, not believing what God says about us, not believing what God saw in the world while we were yet sinners. We were not even seeing what God saw. Um, God had to come and reveal in Christ what his view of man is. And uh, without believing that, we grow up in a society that is works-based, that is performance-based, that runs and chases after money, 
that's all about ego. Um, and all of that then mixed in with a passion for love and a passion for life. Um, and it brings such a confusion to us. It brings such turmoil to our lives if we live that way. And then we find out of that definition a lot of hurt, a lot of pain, a lot of uh, distrust come to our lives. And from that platform we give everything we have, all the power we can give to be free. To, to have a, as good life as possible on this earth. And in our effort to do that, we find shortcomings. We find sins, we find um, failures and all those kind of things. And then we come based on what we've experienced in this life and we come to a conclusion of who we are. And then the whole message that, we've, that we hear about the gospel is all based on this definition about who we really are um, or who we think we are. And what the world in all its time has, has, has uh, um, designated to us and defined us as. And we would come and say, you know, I'm an ill-tempered, angry person that struggles with this, that has, uh, had a, was abused by my parents, that was not loved when I was small. And this is who I am. And on account of that, I've got all these bad fruit in my life. But... Uh, and now we're going to hear a message based on that, either on how God hates that or how God loves you just the way you are. But the pr problem is the whole definition, the definition of who you are is based on works and based on experience and not based on what God saw from before time, not based on how God sees man. The Bible says... That, and, and what that means is, is that your definition about God loves me just the way I am is going to be wrong because you don't know who and what you are. What we've seen about the world is that we, we thought that people are bad and when Jesus saves them, then they become good. People are evil and then God saves them and then they become the good guys. No. People are God's people. God is the Savior of the world. I don't say the whole world is saved. I'm just saying that He is the Savior of the world. He gave the same price, paid the same price, gave the Son, Jesus, to everybody equally, putting everybody, seeing in every human being the same value and the same power. So, what that means is, uh, John 3.16 clearly states that God so loved the world, God so agape the world. And the word love means to have an excitement of the heart or the mind on account of beauty you behold. So what that says is, is that God looks at a lost person the way that we would declare as lost and a sinner and whatever, as someone very valuable and very beautiful, yet is in bondage to a certain slavery. When we read in Corinthians, the Bible says that uh, the whole Old Testament, especially with the Jews and how they were led out of captivity and all those kind of things, is an example for us so that we can live in faith. Now, when the Israelites were in slavery to the Egyptians, um, did God love them as slaves 
or was God loving his children, those whom he's always loved, that has been taken into slavery on account of a Pharaoh that didn't know Joseph? You see, God does not confuse the situation you are in and what you are going through and the slavery you are in with who and what you are. And what happens is if you've been in slavery for 400 years, like the Israelites were, you will struggle and you, you will identify with slavery. You will identify with being the oppressed. You will identify with being abused. And your whole reasoning of who you are and the foundation from where you think will all be about that slavery. And every definition you have about who you are is, you know, God loved slaves. No, no, no. God loved His children. God loved those who are dear to Him. He loved His people. He loved Israel, which were His people. And that is a type and a shadow of the world. He loved the world. And this is what He said. He didn't say, let my slaves go. He said, let my people go. And it took like 40 years for God to... It, 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 actually, I don't think God ever got it right to get slavery out of that generation's mind. They died as slaves. Although God loved them, they couldn't see what God saw and how God felt about them. They couldn't see the beauty that God sees inside them. They couldn't see the freedom that God came to give them. And they fell in the desert in unbelief because they wanted to go back to Egypt. They wanted to go back to the, to the place where they are slaves. So I want to tell you, church, while you were a sinner, even if you were dead in your sins, what God saw in you was His dwelling place. What God sees in you and what God sees in every person that has never accepted Him, He says, my son who is oppressed by law, legalism, and death that need salvation. You know, we are not upset with people when they live in slavery and act like slaves when they are in bondage and under slavery. We know that, that they cannot do anything else. Like in the old South Africa, um, nobody in the world was upset because black people were poor. They know that they were oppressed by a certain system whereby they didn't have a fair advantage, um, you know, or it wasn't fair game, people came, took their land, there was a whole story about it, and um, we understand why they would act like people that has been abused, because they have been abused. And the reason why the whole world and a lot of people in South Africa, uh, black and white, were fighting for the freedom of the black folk that was under the apartheid system, and also for the freedom of the white folk that was bound by apartheid, um, when, when, they, when they were fighting for that, why did they fight for that? Because they saw people as valuable, they saw people as precious, and they saw that, that, that a human being should not be treated that way. So beauty was al already there, value was already there. And now somebody could see the value and fight and stand for the freedom of those people. 
you know, some people would fight for freedom because it's not right to be oppressed and others would fight for freedom because of the revelation of the value of the being that is oppressed. Um, some will fight for it is just not right, but others, others will fight for the freedom of a being that's got a right unto freedom. So when God looks at man, he doesn't look at man as just what is happening here is wrong. He looks at what we've been designed for. He looks at what, we, what, what he planned for us. He looks at our value. He looks at to whom we belong. He looks at his offspring, which we are, um, and which the whole world is the offspring of God. And you might say, Bertie, you're a universalist, you're an inclusionist. Well, the Apostle Paul went and he said in Acts 17, clearly, he says, we are his offspring. That's what he said. And he, he quote Greek philosophers and he said, as your poets have said, you know, we are his offspring. In him we live and move and have our being. So what he was saying is, is that a human being has got his being in God. He's the God kind. He functions by belief. He functions by persuasion. He is, there is a man seated at the right hand of the Father. There is, even before Jesus was raised, he saw the original design, the original intent, the place where we came from, his, his own being that was lost. And he wanted to redeem and buy us back to the place of, of original intent so that we can believe and see who and what we are in Christ. He wanted to end the lawman, end sin, end that, end that which kill us and lead us out and set us free. So, for us to say God loves us the way we are, um, if, if we say that from a grace perspective or God's perspective, we can understand why God would love us just the way we are. The problem is, is that we have been so long in slavery and sin and stuff that, and in the, the death that legalism and law bring that we are so enslaved to it that we say, well, God just loves me the way I am. And then the I am there is defined in your very own works. God doesn't even love you the way you are when you do good things. By the good you do. Uh, when you do all the good, God doesn't, God doesn't love you the way you are as good because of your works, neither will, does He love you the way you are because of bad. His vision about you has got nothing to do with the slavery you are in. When the Israelites were bound by the Egyptians, God said, let my people go. For what did God see? God saw His people. He saw what He promised them. And He saw what He wanted to bring forth in their lives. And what He wanted to bring forth in their lives is that they would have a land of their own, be in slavery to nobody, for they are His people. Who were the people that died in the desert? It was His people. It was the people of God. Why did they die? Because they always had that slave mentality. So this is what I want to say to you. Even if you are in slavery, God doesn't lose a vision of who you are. You can be, uh, you can be addicted to, to drugs. You can be addicted to marijuana. You can be addicted to cigarettes. Um, all forms of sin and lying and gambling and whatever you want to call it. You can be addicted to a life that is not in the quality of God's life. And then God doesn't love you the way you are in the sense of this, um, this bad. He, he, he's, he's, he doesn't love the sickness 
or the sick, if you want to call it that way. He loves his person, his being, his child that is sick. And the sickness cannot uh, uh, blur God's vision about who and what you are. And when we are in sickness, when we are in sin, when we are in disease, when we are in bondage, let us not say, God loves me just the way I am as in He accepts and where the me is defined by my works. Let us say God loves me the way I am and the way as, as He has always seen me. And in Jesus, He came to redeem the real me and set me free from that which is twisting who I am, uh, torturing who I am, bringing pain and hurt to who I am, and let us see who we are and let us see who the world really is. Now, let me read... Um, See, I'm running out of battery here, but let me... I see, I should have charged this thing again. With this travels, you can't always charge your stuff. Right, Romans 6, it says, What shall we say, then shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know you not that as many as were baptized into Jesus were baptized into His death? What death was Jesus baptized into? What death did He die? Jesus died away the slavery that we were under. So what can happen now is we can behold a man in the Trinity and we can see the face of our origin. We can see where we come from. We can see what God has originally planned for us and we can have our view and opinion about that. Let me use a practical example in my own life. <clears throat> if I if I struggle, I remember when I was going with a motorbike and speeding and all those kind of things. When I was doing all of that, I'd, I, I can remember, I didn't say God loves me just the way I am. This is what I said. I said, God loves me. And what, am, what I am doing or what this sin is doing in my life doesn't obscure his view about me, neither does it about myself. Therefore, I can easily say, that what is happening here with me doesn't belong to me, it is not my life, and I expect freedom from it. For that is not who and what I am. Many times we find people uh, really struggling to get free from certain things and bondage in their life, and the reason why they struggle to find freedom and bondage uh, uh, um, from that is because they identify with that very thing so much that they say, I am this. And I'm going to use an example that might not be very popular and you might be upset if I use this example, but this is the truth and will set you free. I've had a guy call me up and he said to me, you know Bertie, I, I am a gay Christian. My goodness, you know, and then I said to him, before we go any further, can I just correct you? Why do you first define yourself as Christian? Not that I say we cannot call ourselves Christians. Please just hear what I'm trying to say. But mainly, why do you, I can still understand why you say you're, 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 you're a Christian on account of the belief you have. But to say that you are a gay Christian is saying that you are gay. So if I must say to you that Jesus um, wants to set you free, the first thing you will hear is that he's rejecting me. Because what's wrong with being a gay? Listen, you are his person. You are the one that he loves. You, you are 
you are his child that is caught up in something else. So don't identify with yourself based on your sexuality. I don't say I'm a straight Christian. I don't say I'm a, a smoking Christian or a non-smoking Christian. I identify with what God says and then when I know who and what I am in Christ, I can then from there look and see what is in line with the quality of God's life that He has in the Trinity with what he, the full expression of His holiness and then anything that doesn't line up with that, I can say, this is not me. This is not who I am and I thank you Jesus that you've come to set me free from what is binding or um, pushing down or uh, putting a lid on or making life difficult or that is outside of original design for me. If I live in a place where I always hurt people, where I'm always angry at people, where I'm living in all of that, Listen, you can say, well, I'm just that kind of person and, you know, people need to accept me. Whoa, 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 whoa. Why do you identify with what you do? I preach the gospel. I've been preaching the gospel in a certain way for a very long time. And, you know, I can say, well, you know, I'm just a certain kind of a preacher and people need to accept that. And I have done that for many years. But when I started to realize that I'm not defined by how I preach, and I'm defined by who Christ is, and I look at the grace of God in Christ, I can say, you know, Lord, maybe that way of preaching doesn't reach as many people as what it can. Maybe that way of preaching can hurt some folk. And if some of this can change, we can, you know, help people. Because I am not how I preach. I, I am what He has seen forever, and that truth has been redeemed, and I shall not be defined by anything else. Glory to God. I'm going to read one more verse, and we're going to end off. Know you not to whom you yield yourself servants to obey, his servants you are whom you obey, whether of sin unto death, or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that you were servants of sin, but you have obtained, but you have obeyed from your heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. So what he says here is, and, and let me define sin and, and end off with that. What is sin? The word sin means not to be a partaker of. That is what sin means. And what Christ has come to do is when Adam disobeyed God and through the disobedience of one man sin not be a, being a partaker of who God is in the flesh in our lives you know came into mankind but Jesus then incarnated himself into that man died the consequences of that separation or that sin away he became sin even unto death Okay, and then he was raised from the dead as a human being and now he is seated at the right hand of the Father where he as a human is a full partaker. In other words, he's not a sinner. He doesn't have sin on him. There's no separation whatsoever between him. He's a full partaker of the Godhead. The Bible says the fullness of the Godhead dwells in Jesus bodily. And since we have, we as humans have human bodies, 
that fullness is available to us and as we enter into faith we can say we have that fullness and we lack nothing. We have been made complete in Him and that is the real you. That is the you God always had in mind. So when we say God loves us just the way we are, let us understand what it means and let us not identify with slavery and think God loves a slave. You are not a slave. You have never been a slave. You have been a free person that was taken into slavery and God has redeemed your freedom in Jesus. So let us look at, that, at things that way. And when that happens and when we can see ourselves that way, we will not be afraid to come to a place where we can easily say, in this and this and this area of my life, I am to experience who, and who I really am. Like for instance, if you walk with, if you gossip all the time and you don't say, I don't want to gossip because some scriptures say I shouldn't do it. You just say, that is not the highest quality of life. I don't like to talk about people that way. That is not what I feel resonates with my design and who I really am. What are you going to do? Are you going to say, oh well, God loves me the way I am. He just loves this gossip. My goodness, you are not a gossip. You are the righteousness of God. Why do you want to say, I am a gossip? Rather say, Lord, I am who you say I am. And I find that this beautiful being is maybe taken captive under certain things. And I've so identified with and I've done for so many years that I can almost start to believe that this is me. But it's not me. And I give you full right to bring forth your fullness of life in that area of my life. And you know what happens? If it takes God a week, if it takes Him a day, if it takes Him a year or three years, it doesn't matter. It, it, it took the Lord many years to set me free from speedy. You know, and I, I, you know the, the way I was speeding is it was not good for me or other people. Although I tried to do it as responsibly as what I could because I didn't want to die, you know, I would easily go 180 miles an hour on a motorbike. It was such an easy thing for me to do. There was just nothing about it. I would feel it's dangerous, but I can still remember the time when I was praying on that motorbike and, uh, and saying, Lord, what I'm doing here is not the best quality of life you have for me. I declare that I am a free person. I declare that this thing that I don't want to do, that I am doing, you have already set me free. And I'm not going to say, you just love Love me the way I am. No, no, you love and, and defining myself by my works. Neither am I going to say, you know, God just loves this, this preacher of grace. Bertie Brits has got a wet church preaching to thousands of people all over the world and traveling the world preaching. He doesn't love that person. He loves me. He identifies, I identify to God not by the good I do, not by the bad I do, but by what and who I am in Jesus. And that is it, friends. So, you might be at a place where you say, you know, I've got this, this thing in my life, that thing in my life, that thing in my life, that is just not who I am. Um, and, and, and that you need to say that. And that you need to come to the revelation where you can do what Paul did, and he said, the good that I want to do, I don't do, and the bad that I don't want to do, that I do, therefore I consent unto this, that it is not I who do these things. 
I hope you can hear what I'm trying to say. What I've seen is that in, in, in gray circles, we've come to a place where, we've got a, where we want to make the gospel a message that cannot actually manifest God's quality of life in us. The message of God's grace is the message of that can raise a person from the dead. That can raise a person in the return of Christ from the dead, even if he was dead for a uh, hundred thousand years. Even if he was dead for ten thousand years, he can be raised from the dead. That's how powerful it is. So, uh, why? Because the true person, the one that's in Christ, that body is made to bring, who Christ is, is made to bring forth life to that body. And it doesn't matter what death is in that body, the true life shall manifest. So, how much more can you not be a loving, caring person on account of Christ living in you? Now, let us not settle for this thing of, you know, God just loves me a sinner. God loved the world, loved agape, the emotion of seeing beauty. The world, he was seeing the truth about them and he came to redeem that and bring it back to a place where man can also believe that and where man will not be enslaved unto, unto Pharaoh anymore. I'm ending off for a last time here. God, the, 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 I believe if the Egyptian, if the Israelites could have believed in who and what they are, they could have just walked out of Egypt and those Egyptians couldn't have done anything to them because they just had more power. But they couldn't believe that because they were so in slavery, they were in bondage, they were God's people in slavery. And what God had to do is break the slavery off them, get them to another place, into another country, where they will not have the slave mentality anymore, where they can believe that they are God's chosen people, they are not slaves, they have been given a promised land, and they can believe the love that God has towards them and what God freely gives them, so that they can actually, uh, you know, enter into the place or live who they really are. The Israelites have always been God's people. In the same way, the world has always been God's people. But God's people went lost into slavery. Jesus Christ came, had to take us out from under the law, bring us into a place of signs, wonders and miracles and show us His love in what He did in Jesus and even showing us through the Spirit, the first fruit of the Spirit, that we can come to a place where we see who and what we are. So, you are not a, a sinner Christian. You are not a not partaker Christian. Rather say, I am what God says I am and these things in my life cannot define me so I know that I can expect freedom. Hallelujah. You know, it doesn't help I was bound. To, let's, you know, I'm using certain things here and I'm not picking on certain sins but it doesn't help I was bound by pride while I was not believing in Jesus and now I get saved and, saved, and this is my definition of saved God loves a, pride, a prideful man. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you, you know, he has loved you and he wants you free from what's killing you. Glory to God. Now you might say, Baptist, you're preaching the law. If you are hearing this as the law, my friend, I want to tell you, you haven't heard grace yet. And open your heart and say, Lord, thank you for true freedom. Well, I've come to the end of my message and I would like to pray for you right now. 
um, web church, where you're sitting at your house, where you're watching this, I want to say I love you with the love of God in my heart. And that's why I'm preaching this message. And as um, I don't want to say I'm your father or anything, but as your pastor, as the one that shepherds you with the love that's in my heart, I feel that this is needed to be preached, that we can experience what God has come for us, that we will not be deceived into something that we are not. God loves you the way you are and has always loved you the way you are. And who you are is what is always planned for you. And the devil wanted to come and take away what God has planned for you, but he redeemed you from that for he loves you the way you are. And he's never confused who you are with what you do. So don't do that, church, and find your identity. You know, I'm just this kind of person and, you know... Um, f forgive the word I'm using, but to hell with everybody, you know, that, that's just who I am. And even to hell with anything that wants to bring life to me, uh, my friend, my friend, please listen to me. You are what God says you are. And when God was incarnated into human flesh, we could behold what God planned from the beginning. When he died and rose again, we could see the fulfillment of his plan in a human as the promise of what he will manifest in us since we are his offspring. We are his creatures made and designed by him for him. Hallelujah. Let us pray. Father, I thank you so much that I can pray for our web family. Thank you, Father, for every person that watched this. I would like to pray for people that are going through difficult times right now and they can experience your life. I just come and I want to pray for you. If you are sitting there at your house in front of your computer, maybe you are feeling, oh my goodness, I feel this cold feeling. I've been caught out, you know. I've Listen, you are what God says you are and everything in your life that is hurting you and not supposed to be there, manifesting a fruit of who you are not, you can easily just say, this thing and this thing and this thing. These are the areas I make available for God. He loves me for who I truly am. And therefore, we will not have anything that is not in line with who I am in our life. And by His resurrection power, He sets me free. And that is what you can say to Him right now. And I think you should say that. And as this music plays out, the service, you know, just, just enjoy that and let the love of God flood your heart unto true freedom. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for watching. If any of you need any counseling, please feel free to go to dynamicministries.com, click on Web Pastors um, under the, the tab that says, or go to dynamicministries.com, click on Web Fellowship, and then under that you'll find a tab that says Web Pastors, and you can contact any of our Web Pastors or face-to-face -face group leaders, and they would love to be in, get in contact with you pray for you, help you uh, concerning this. God loves you and know that you are precious and good and loved by Him. Amen.